I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I am Misha Globerman, host of the Trampoline Hall Podcast. Trampoline Hall, as you know, is a lecture series that takes place in a bar in Toronto, sometimes in other cities, but usually in a bar in Toronto. People give lectures on all kinds of topics, sometimes serious, sometimes ridiculous, but with the one rule that they cannot speak on subjects on which they are professionally expert. It cannot be their job to know the thing. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. This is the Trampoline Hall Podcast. If you did not know it was a podcast, I'm very impressed. How did you get here? This is the Trampoline Hall Podcast. Uh, we do it in short seasons. We're sort of about halfway through the current season of six episodes, and then we'll do another one. All the lectures come from our vast Trampoline Hall lecture archive. And what are we going to do on this episode? Well, let's find out. On this episode, the topic is hummingbird migration, and the speaker is Lauren Barnes. Like this, I think this is good. Um, hi. Maybe like this. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, great. In two thousand and one, Nelly Furtado made a bold claim about the migration of birds. She claimed that she was like a bird because she didn't know where her home was or indeed where her soul was. Um, but the thing about migratory birds is that they do actually really know this is the thing. This, this, is, the, this is why, I'm, yeah, this is the whole point. Um, I moved to Toronto five months ago, and one of the things that I've been, um, I guess, particularly into since I got here is uh, the whole new continent of bird species that I've been uh, exposed to. Uh, the bird that has preoccupied me most since I arrived is one that has, in fact, so far eluded me. This is the red-throated hummingbird, ruby-throated hummingbird, rather. Um, I've never seen a hummingbird in real life. Uh, are, they only live in the Western Hemisphere, so up until this point, I've not really been like in the place where they might be. Um, there are 350 species of them, uh, and most of them just stay in the tropics, which kind of makes sense. Like this is the place where there's like sunshine, red and orange flowers, 
you know, it's like, why, why would you go anywhere else? But there are 12 species of hummingbird which are migratory. Um, and the only one of these that is found in eastern Canada and that we might stand a chance of seeing in Toronto is the ruby-throated hummingbird. Um, I guess the first thing that um, kind of blows my mind about these birds is their size. Um, an adult measures between seven and nine centimeters, like this kind of thing, um, from the tip of its beak to the end of its tail. Um, they're also very, very light, so um, because the bones are hollow and then it has all these like tiny air sacs so that it can fly, um, it weighs between two and six grams. Um, a teaspoon of sugar is five grams, so that's like a very, very light thing for to be like a living being that contains a heart and a brain and all of that, um, that stuff. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that, um, that hummingbirds lived in Canada until my sister-in-law came to visit me in March. Um, we were, you know, encountering um, the ice sheets and treacherous conditions that seem to be um, what happens here. And then she noticed <laughs> this, um, this hummingbird feeder in someone's garden. I, d I guess everyone knows like, what this looks like. It's, like a, it's made of red plastic. It's got these like, pretend uh, flowers on it. People put sugar water in it and um, hummingbirds drink out of it. Um, I was totally baffled by this. Um, this didn't seem to be a place where a hummingbird might possibly be able to, to live or, um, you know, even if it was, was going to go somewhere else, like anywhere that was possibly warm enough for it to live um, seemed an impossibly long flight away. So this was like kind of weird for me. Um, I'm not the only person to have been uh, baffled by the migration of birds. Um, for many years, people just didn't know what happened when birds went away at the end of one season and then came back again. Um, in the 16th century, apparently people thought that swallows would, um, rather than migrate, swallows would like dive to the bottom of lakes and then like bury themselves all stacked together um, like in the tin of sardines and they just stay there for the winter and then like they would come up again um, you know when spring came around. That, that seemed to be more logical than uh, flying to another place. Um, <laughs> Aristotle also had a theory about bird migration, uh, or not migration, in fact. Um, it was kind of an early version of the idea of, like, if you haven't seen them in the same room together, are they actually the same person? Um, <laughs> so he thought that, like, there was one species that um, mutated into another one when, uh, when the autumn came around, and then uh, when spring came, they, like, mutated back into the other thing. Um, they were just different species of bird, and they were like going in opposite directions. Um, things have moved on a bit since that point, but there are still some um, crazy ideas that seem to be around, um, especially when it comes to hummingbirds. Um, so I started, you know, Googling um, to try and find out what was going on. Uh, some of the, well, it was particularly this one relate, you know, Google does like related searches that it suggests that you might be interested in. Uh, one of the first ones that came up was, do hummingbirds ride on the backs of geese to migrate? <laughs> so I hadn't thought of this as a possibility, but like, you know, I can kind of see why um, people might think that. Apparently it was quite widespread as an idea. Um, 
geese are quite big. They're like almost, they're like the planes of the bird world somehow. Like they're, they're, they're like as close as you can get to a plane while still being a bird, I think. Um, so like it makes sense. Um, and it's kind of nice, I think, to think of these Canada geese like maintaining their liberal reputation by giving these hummingbirds from Mexico a ride. It's, you know, I can see why people might buy it. This is actually not what happens. <laughs> um, they fly all alone, totally, uh, totally separated from their families in a series of non-stop flights, each one lasting up to 24 hours. Um, so each spring, they will fly up to 4,000 kilometers, traveling from as far as Panama, Costa Rica, and Mexico, all the way to Canada, and even as far north as Labrador. This is, I mean, I, I just, uh, my mind is blown by this. Um, the, the way that they can do this is by having, uh, it's like the biggest, the fastest metabolism of any uh, warm-blooded creature. So like they basically double their body weight in a couple of days. It's like eating 300 hamburgers in a single day, I think the, the equivalent is. Um, and then they fly for 24 hours and like burn it all off, just like that. And then they have to do it all again. Um, it's kind of, I mean, wouldn't we all love to have metabolisms like that, I guess. Um, so once the hummingbird arrives from Mexico, they get here, um, they have like the hummingbird equivalent of a one-night stand. Um, they have babies, and then like off they go again. Um, they don't travel together at all. So like the males will leave, then the females will leave, and then there's just like this whole generation of abandoned offspring um, who, when they're only a couple of months old, have to like figure out what to do and like try and get out of this place, which is soon going to become um, really cold and inhospitable. Um, I, would, I have to say that thinking about, you know, the whole, the route that they take and the challenges that they face has put my own personal migration into um, some degree of perspective. Um, the flight is really absurdly long for such a small thing, but they also really don't make it very easy for themselves. Um, so rather than going over land, they, um, or many of them at least, uh, fly across the sea, like right across the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so it's like 800 kilometers that they fly over the open ocean from the Yucatan Peninsula to the southern US. Um, so if you were to fly over land, obviously you could like stop, have some nectar, have a rest. If it started to rain, you could, you know, just have a couple of days off from the trip. Um, in, if, when you're flying over water, it, you ha just have to keep going. Apparently, it takes 20 hours of non-stop flying. Um, this is when the wind is behind you, so you've kind of like timed your journey and gone with the wind. Um, if the wind changes and suddenly you've got headwinds coming towards you, then like that's kind of it. There's nothing you can do. Um, you're just going to run out of energy. All of the nectar slash hamburgers have been burned, and then you. Uh, you, pl you plummet to your death. Um, <laughs> th there is hope. Um, 
If you find yourself crossing uh, the route of a kindly shrimp fisherman, then they might let you hitch a ride on board. This is apparently uh, something that has happened. There are some very nice heartwarming stories of um, fishermen in the Gulf of Mexico who will find themselves with like a hummingbird um, on board and the hummingbird will just refuse to leave until they get to Florida. So, um, <laughs> you know, there are ways. Um, apparently on oil rigs they also put out bird feeders so that some hummingbirds who clock that um, that bird feeder might be able to take a, you know, they, they might take that in on the way and that way avoid plummeting to their death and being um, washed up on the beach. Um, so then there's the whole question of like how do they figure out where to go, like how do they navigate. Um, it seems that the scientific literature is still a work in progress on the subject. It's still something that people are really trying to figure out. Um, as far as I can tell, and like how I would summarize the literature is, um, they just get a feeling inside them. <laughs> um, I th we can, yeah, I mean, it's I can kind of relate to it, right? You just, you, sometimes you just have this feeling. Um, it has to do with the temperature. It has to do with like number of flowers around, number of like tiny spiders and bugs, um, and also to do with daylight hours. Um, so when all of this kind of these changes start happening, then um, their hormones start to tell them to, um, you know, eat lots, start preparing for a treacherous journey. Um, this is the yeah okay. This is this is crazy. I I mean. Amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, it's thought actually that the most likely way that they navigate is by like having this way of seeing the Earth's magnetic field. Um, so they can, there's like a patch in their field of vision, which is, is either slightly lighter or slightly darker. And using that patch, uh, they like that's that patch is where the North Pole is. So like by using that, they can figure out where to go in relation to that. I think that, I mean, I was kind of baffled by this um, because, like, if you're going south, then surely you have to, like, look behind you all the time <laughs> to figure out, um, you know. Um, so, um, no, no one quite knows even how long the journeys uh, might take and what causes them to choose particular paths because they're so tiny, um, it's quite difficult to put on like one of those little tags on their, on their tiny feet. Um, the sense is that it's like between one week and six weeks and it really depends on like what happens along the way, um, what the weather's doing, probably like some other mystical signals that they received that um, science has not yet figured out. Um, but they do stop, so probably like five or six times, maybe something like this, um, along the way. So ruby-throated hummingbirds might be born in Canada, um, but they actually end up spending quite a lot of time elsewhere. Um, they definitely wouldn't qualify for uh, the 183 days that you need to be here for, um, for residency purposes. Um, so they're really like going across jurisdictions and uh, never with any kind of paperwork. Um, they're small enough that the US border forces can't see them, just. Um, so they are truly citizens of nowhere, or um, perhaps citizens of everywhere. Uh, in light of this, it strikes me that perhaps um, I was misinterpreting Nelly Furtado all along. It's perhaps significant that she herself 
uh, was the daughter of Portuguese immigrants to Vancouver, and she later moved to Toronto to develop her music career. I think she actually had um, a robust understanding of the mechanics of bird migration. <laughs> I think that uh, what she was trying to say wasn't literally uh, that birds don't know where they're going, um, but that the very concept of a static, singular home wasn't something that was familiar to them. What I think she was trying to say was that um, for the ruby-throated hummingbird, home is not a singular locale, but something multiple and complex. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Are there any questions? Anything anyone would like to know? Yes, over there, yeah. What brought you to Canada five months ago? I got a job. There you go. The best reason. Anything else? Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does, sure. Okay, yes, what did you want to know? Yes. It's a sad question. Thank you for the warning. All right. I'm wondering if what percentage of birds make it. What percentage of birds make it? And how many plummet to their deaths? Just to make clear why it's a sad question. Um, I think I kind of mentally blocked that out when I realized that that was, you know, that was what happened. I read that... Um, a lot die in the first year, but once they get through the first year, then they're like kind of okay and they can live till they're eight or nine. Like a lot die in their first year of, in the migration or just yeah. in general of all hummingbird threats or whatever? In migration, in migration. I think, okay. yeah. So there you go. So at least, so, so it's not as sad as you think because really only the children die a lot. <laughs> Any other, anything, anything else you'd like to know? Uh, yes, yes, over there, yeah. Yes, yes, you. Yeah, you. So they yes. return to the actual same place up here? Yes, they do. Like, precise same bird feeders. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. So they really do, I mean, so they're not, like, they really do know that yeah. part of where yeah, their yeah, home yeah, is. Yeah. They go, Yeah. Whoa. Apparently they can remember, like, individual flowers that they've been to. Yeah. What? They have, like, their brains are twice the size of humans, like, proportionally speaking. Yeah, proportionally, but yeah. not, yeah. <laughs> but that's really an important distinction yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, whatever. I'd like to see them yeah. try to host a whimsical lecture series. 
<laughs> I don't mean to start competing with them so early in the Q and A. I mean, it's fair, I'll, yeah. I'll let them. I'll let them do them. Okay. Uh, yes, over there. Yeah. Have you bought a hummingbird feeder? Have you bought a hummingbird feeder? Is the obvious question. No, I really should do that. Um, yeah. So wait. So just to be clear, so you were sort of bemoaning the fact. I'm not sure. Is bemoaning fair? I don't know if you were bemoaning it. But like, you seemed sad that you hadn't seen a hummingbird. I mean. My front yard is shared with my landlord, so I feel like I just moved in. I right. don't want to be like, this is where I'm going to seek out the hummingbirds now. Like, right. it feels, I don't know. I've... Who we now know will make that place their home for the rest of their lives. Yeah, like, exactly. It's not like a little thing, like they're just passing <laughs> through. Right. So you're waiting, what, for a better relationship with your landlord, kind of? Yeah. All right. I mean, they're really nice. They're nice? Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So does that, all right, does that answer your question? Yeah, okay. All right, good. So not yet. Not yet. Anything else? Anything else anyone would like to know? Yes, over there, yeah. Well, I'm worried about the abandoned hummingbirds and how do they figure out The abandoned, you mean the babies? Yeah. You're worried about the abandoned hummingbirds, which is to say every single hummingbird baby ever born, is that right? <laughs> But that is all of them, right? That is all of them. That's right? like, all not, of them. It's not like, there's not, it's yeah, not like yeah. they come from a broken home, no. just every single one of them. Right? Yeah. So, like, you know, with geese, like, the baby goose, or it's not even a baby, like, the adolescent goose will go with the parent geese, and, like, the first migration, it will just follow them in whatever, like, formation, and then it just yeah. knows. So that's, like, fine. The hummingbird just figures it out. That's... So you don't have to worry about it. They just figure it out. You're qu you didn't even have a question. You were just like, I'm worried for them. And that <laughs> snuck right by me. But so what, did you, was there a question? Or did you just want to share the feeling? <laughs> what happens to them? And the answer, we told us. Yeah. They figure it out with their enormous brains, twice the size of your brain and my brain, proportional, if you, <laughs> if you, if you only weigh two grams. But that is, that's incredible. It's remarkable. So there you go. So do you, are you less worried about them? All right, cool. All right, thank you. Good. Anything else? Anything else I would like to know? Oh, yes, on the back. Yeah. Um, if, uh, would you like to fly in, in the style of what bird? Would you like to fly in the style of what bird? It's a two-part question. Oh, it's a two. That's why I couldn't even hear it. So would you like to fly? Let's just assume yes. And if so, in the style of what if, if you could fly in the style of what bird would you most like to fly is the better. That's the better part. Uh, yeah, it, wait. Yes, I, I would like so to yes, fly. Yes, you'd like to fly, right? Because yes. you're not an idiot, First, right? yes, I would like to fly. Uh, not in the style of the hummingbird. It's like... Why not? It's too much, isn't it? It's like exhausting. It does not seem fun. No. I agree. I think maybe um, a gannet. A what? <laughs> People are really like this mm, gannet. It's like a very large. I've never heard that like name, bird name said. Seabird. It's a it's gannet. It's like much more like um, a, 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 a slower flap. A slower. Yeah. <laughs> would that be like? Would your answer just be the slowest flapping bird? Like if someone was like, "There's a bird that flaps slower than a gannet," you'd be like, "I'd like that." Maybe. Okay, so yeah. just so the answer would be to fly in the way that involves the least flapping. So a hummingbird <laughs> would actually probably be the bird you would least like to fly like, I'm guessing. 
yeah, I would say like bird I would least like to fly like, but like right. th I think there are other things about it that I do like. So you'd like to I be could take, I, yeah. so a general lifestyle, if you could fly like a gannet, <laughs> but have, what is it about the hummingbird life that's appealing to you? I mean, the metabolism thing, I think is great. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's funny because again you have to scale it because you'd be like, oh yeah, over the course of several days I could lose a gram and a half. So in some ways it's not so awesome, right? Yeah, it's true. You have to. You but you, have you would to want the proportional. Work on all of the proportions. So, yeah, you would, so just to be clear, what you would like would be able to gorge yourself on snacks, double your weight, and then lose that weight in 20 hours over the Gulf of Mexico. Like you'd be like, you'd be like, you'd yeah. be like rushing a trampoline all you'd be like, I lost a hundred pounds on my way over here. Yeah. All right, okay, cool. I... Well while slowly flapping. Okay, all right. I I yeah, I sympathize. Okay, cool. Any any other questions? Anything else people would like to know? Yes, you sir. What kind of songs do they have? What kind of songs do they have? What kind of songs do they have? I actually really don't know. Like I I have never seen one, and I, 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 I didn't research the whole like sounds part of them. So does anyone know like a hummingbird song? What is it? Do you? They, these guys know these. Okay, it's not necessarily a song. Hummingbird. It's like tick 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 tick. How? Why is that? Why is that not a song? Oh, it's clicky. Not like a winter wren. <laughs> Just to put it in perspective. Right, so it's not like, a, so I guess some birds have like an actual melody that we would recognize as a melody, and for them it's more like a, a sound. So any of these hummingbirds you could just mistake for a buzzing, for a buzzing wire, you said. Okay, all right. Does that, does that answer your, who's, who asked the question? Does that answer your question? It went over there. Are you happy with that? Yeah. You approve the answer? Okay, good. All right, well, there you go. Wait, I hear it. <laughs> did you guys just hear it? <laughs> oh, did you find it on your, I thought it was just like a ghost, but you found, you, you like looked it up on your phone? It's on you. It's, it's on, can you play it again? Yeah. All right. Sounds like a buzzing wire. It's, it's true. There you go. Well, there you go. So now at least you've heard a, you've heard a hummingbird. Half your, half your, all right. I just, just need to hear it in real life, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. Anything else? Anything else you would like to know? Yes. You, well, I'm just wondering what's the of the kind of new Like, where does that idea come from? Mm. Where does that idea come from? Why do people think that about Very the Very interesting question. Um, <laughs> apparently, it was um, John James Audubon, the ornithologist, who... Um, I mean, I read this, and then I was like, mm, not sure. So I, this is one of the reasons why I didn't include it. But apparently, he um, he shot a goose, like because he was like, you know, it was an old school kind of ornithology <laughs> in which you would like shoot a bird in order to then study it. Um, but he um, apparently he shot this goose, and then like it landed on its back, and then he like lifted the goose up to. Um, to, to start inspecting it, and then this hummingbird flew out. So he was like, oh, the hummingbird was riding on the back of the goose. Yeah. 
Or, ornithology has come so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy to be like, that's what it was. Yeah. You like shoot a bird and then like have a crazy speculation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and I, when you asked that, I thought it would be some vague thing, but you actually know the name yeah. of the ornithologist. So there you go. That, you can blame that guy. All right, great. Uh, anything else? Anything else you would like to know? Any other questions? Do you have any? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Do you read anything about the myth of putting dye in the sugar water? No. What is the myth of putting dye in the sugar water? People think they will see it better if you dye it because it looks like a flower or something? Is that the, or just because it's bright? You can buy hummingbird sugar water dye? But it's bad for the hummingbirds because it's artificial coloring, which is bad for all of us. Is that right? So there you go. That answers a question. Did you know? No, that's a question yeah. and an answer. You've taken the whole show just taking place, right? Right there in you. Good, really good to know. Does that yeah. help you? Yeah. Okay. When I get the hummingbird feeder. How do you feel no about dyes. Yeah, so when you get do you feel that do you have like oh all right, okay, all right, yes, you ma'am, yes. Yeah, where are you gonna see a hummingbird in Toronto? Uh I don't know. I mean this hummingbird feeder was like on Niagara Street. Like it was round the corner. That is so the sort of street hummingbirds would be on. I don't know, I think that everywhere there's like all of these maps online where people report the first hummingbird of the season and they're like kind of, you know, all over Toronto, so. How hopeful are you feeling? <laughs> Not. I mean, I just think with, with birds you can't like. You can't hope? You can't hope too much. <laughs> and to, Really? I, I don't, I don't... You can't, like, seek it out somehow. Like, you have to wait for it to... It's like an entire human hobby. It's like bird watching, <laughs> which consists entirely of hoping, like seeking out and making hopes about birds. You've just insulted the entire, <laughs> the entire birding community. But isn't that... I mean, it's that... But I mean, it's fair. I mean, it's a different... So you just think... So you would like to see a hummingbird, but you don't want it... I was wondering what steps you take, but it seems like even for you, even the step of hoping is to... is more action than you're willing to take toward this goal. Is that right? Then, and if you're like seeking a particular thing, then maybe it won't come. Whoa. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Has that served you well with other goals? <laughs> oh, man. Like, just as an, is there anything else in your life where you're like, oh, I'm glad that I didn't hope for that because it wouldn't have come to me if I'd hoped for it and then taken steps toward it? Like, is there an example of that for you? Okay, so just birds. That's yeah. fair. All right. We had a hand up over there. It was, who's, oh, yes. All right. Yeah. Is hummingbird ever Could hummingbird overpopulation become a problem where the air would be thick with them? Is that the specific thing? And do you see, okay, and you seem enthusiastic about the possibility. Do you think that could happen? Um, apparently populations are healthy, not growing, but like kind of, you know, stable at the moment. So... Maybe. I don't know. I feel like there's the whole question of like what happens with climate change. Like it could go either way, I guess. With, right. I don't know. So you're not particularly worried about it? No. And why if do it you, happened, what? like it could be great, no? So that's it. So okay, so that's it. I think I feel that's the other so why did you ask? 
<laughs> if us and all of our friends and family were to get hung for your feeders, and then there would be, do you think, all right, would you, would you be okay with that personally? Yes, it would be, it would be nice. Okay, well, I think, I think that's all you're looking for. We'll wrap it up there then. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Laura Barnes. Trampoline Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was chosen by Amy Langstaff. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Our coordinating producer is Kate Bars. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can really help us out by leaving a rating or review on iTunes. It helps a lot. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.